Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You may have heard Felix Pate talking midfielders with me on the main podcast. Uh, here is a Q&A we both recorded for patrons shortly after. Enjoy. Uh, sorry, this was sent in by Simon Radford. Brilliant. Um, a uh, brilliant fan of the patron. Um, what are the key metrics that explain the gap in quality between the Championship and the Premier League? And what are the hardest of these metrics to bridge for newly promoted teams? Um, I'll let you jump at that one first, Felix. Yeah, so I think firstly, I mean, possession probably springs to mind. So you're jumping from a league where unless, you know, Neil Warnock's getting you promoted, you're probably going up with you know, 50 to 60% possession. You used to being able to, to dominate games, being the best team uh, in the league. So then moving to the Premier League where you're playing teams on, you know, bigger budgets, more experience, being able to have the same sort of game plan, but understanding you're going to have less of the ball to be able to execute it. It means that either A, you're going to have to um, come up with a, a slightly altered game plan in order to compensate for that lack of the ball. Or B, you're going to have to become a lot more efficient in executing your plan uh, because you're not going to get as many chances to um, to make up for it. So that would be my, my first kind of thought. I mean, in terms of the balance between um, attack and defence, I think general consensus is teams that are good at attack tend to do well season number one. But in the long term, the teams that tend to stay up two, three, four seasons are the ones that have got kind of a more solid defensive foundation. Um, so I think in terms of the hardest to bridge, I think it is that attacking output. I think goal scoring just becomes a lot harder moving up from the championship to the uh, the Premier League. Um, if you're staying with the same team, I mean, team signing championship strikers who are already in the Premier League, you don't tend to see the same drop off because they're coming into sides that are already kind of established. They've got the, the pieces around them to be able to provide. But if you're staying at a promoted side and you, your output is probably going to be dropping off by 10 to 15% um, best-case scenario. So I think having a plan to recreate that attacking output but with less of the ball is probably the one of the biggest challenges, I'd say, for um, a promoted side to deal with. I don't know what you think on that, David. Yeah, I think I agree with all of that. Um, yeah, it's, it's similar conclusions to what I come, <coughs> come to. Um, I, my What I'm edging towards i think um i think um, a lot of people have spoken about this is coming out of the championship requires you to be a really good attacking team i mean you have to be good defensively but you need to outscore the opposition you need to be you basically need to be um just overpowering teams and really good in the offensive areas and i think getting out of the championship and staying in the premier league are very are two very different things unless you can do a leads where you have an elite coach that has a system that transfers really easily yeah, i think what we've seen in the last few years is <clears throat> as you were saying the teams to me that 
are stable and can stabilise quickly and longer term are the better are the defensive ones, the ones who actually ease up a little bit on the attacking side of things and, and become more solid. I'm thinking like Brighton, um, Sheffield United obviously got second season, but um, the teams that are yo-yoing a little bit more are the ones who are probably more focused on the attacking side of the game. We've seen Fulham come straight back down. We've seen West Brom do that. Um, these are teams, Norwich as well, yeah, perfect example. They're, they're the ones that are much more focused on the on-the-ball offensive stuff and their defensive side of the game is always lacking. And <clears throat> I think that's what counts against you a lot in the Premier League. I think if you're going to focus on attack, you need to be exceptionally good. And however good you think you're going to be, you're not going to possess a Harry Kane or, or a Rashford or just these players that can do incredible things out of nothing so an easing back on your system um i think in the numbers game they were looking at they describe it as um being more stoke and i i kind of understand that um intrinsically you need to you need to just think what is the most efficient way of playing football and what are we best at and how can we stay in this division for as long as possible so that we can accumulate the wealth that in the end we start moving up the table and I think that thought of giving up on your principles is what teams find hard um, so yeah def- being defending to me seems and being good at defending sort of being comfortable defending for long periods is what you need to to bridge in that um in that sort of championship to Premier League gap yeah I wouldn't disagree I think um set pieces as well has such a kind of marginal gain that you know we mentioned Stoke then they were the masters at it they could nick you know close to 20 goals a season from delapsed throw-ins and they had such height from corners and free kicks um and you know good set piece deliveries the likes of um, Matthew Etherington um, so I think they managed to leverage that really well. I, I just think teams that tend to come up and do well are the ones that do something a little bit differently. It doesn't. There's no kind of set blueprint as to what that has to be, but whether it be Stoke with the the set pieces or Sheffield United with that famous three at the back and the outside centre backs or Leeds just saying, yeah, we'll aggressively man mark you. We believe we're well drilled enough to be able to man mark any team in this league. Just having that point of difference. I'm not coming up and being the same defensive side that goes into its shell that, and then plays long ball football, seeds 70% of the possession and, and tries to nick a goal on the counter. Just having that point of difference and having something unique that teams have got to work out when they play you so that in that first round of fixtures, you can accumulate enough points. Like Sheffield United did, they accumulated enough points in that first round of fixtures the first time they played everyone that even if teams start to work them out the second time round, they were well equipped enough. They had points in the bank and they knew that teams were going to be able to adapt and they could just make subtle tweaks then. But I think having that surprise factor um, can really stand teams in good stead as well. Mm. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to the next. Um, uh, This is from Ross on email. Uh, He says, which Brentford players would you look at and think have a career at a top six club? Um, I'll let you go first on that one. Okay, so one for me that I don't see talked about enough, but I... I'm a huge fan of is um, Ethan Pinnock. I, ever since his, I followed him from Forest Green to Bar. I've got a few uh, friends who support Barnsley, so when he was being linked, I started watching him at Forest Green. Followed him to Barnsley to Brentford, and he is someone who I think is comfortable enough. He's got the physical attributes as well. I think his on the ball work is getting better as well. Um, and you know, and the the data that I kind of produced backs that up that he is someone who could comfortably play in the top half of the Premier League, and if he keeps improving at the rate he is, could definitely play sort of for one of those top 
six or seven teams. Um, again, probably Josh De Silva is another one that most people would uh, would likely say um, was being rumoured even in the championship. I think I'm sure I saw um, Tottenham linked with him when he was playing in the championship. Um, so they would probably be the two standouts for me off the top of my head. <clears throat> yeah, I don't have anything to add to those. I think you've just you've you've nailed it there. Josh De Silva um, and and Ethan Pinnock. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think the rest a little bit. I need to see a bit more from the others to to make me believe. But those two, um, yeah, they've they've been standouts so far. I was interested to see the um, Brian and Buemo linked to Leicester last season as well. I think that would have been an interesting move in terms of sharing the minutes with maybe someone like Harvey Barnes. I think that I think he would have would have stepped up well to that. And um, you know, we've seen Ben Rama not set. West Ham are light yet and we've seen um, Ollie Watkins do well at Aston Villa so I think it would have been reasonable to assume that Mbwemo is kind of the third piece in that jigsaw would have been good enough at Leicester to at least get a decent chunk of minutes and provide some some good output when he did play. Yeah that's interesting my um, my initial thoughts with Brian Mbwemo is not top six um, there's some there's a bit of signal there I think He's yeah. He's I mean he's a talented player, but I think there's a, a few more technical things that he need to work on to be that sort of limit him from being polished enough from moving into that that upper echelon. I think the others you can you can see all round that these are these players could go to the top. Mbemo is still showing a few teething problems to me, but um, I could be I could be really down on him. Um, it depends who you speak to, really. I guess. Okay, on to the next. If you had £45 million to spend on a newly promoted team like Brentford, uh, what positions would you allocate it towards? Ooh. Um, okay, goalkeeper, probably. Um, I am pretty on the fence about David uh, David Rea. I think he's had some really good moments when I've watched him, but I think I've also seen a few errors. And sometimes with Premier League goalkeepers, those, those errors are costly and the line, the limelight shines a little bit brighter in the Premier League, and teams do tend to snuff out any weakness. And if they see any weakness or, or slight mistakes, they could snuff that out. And I, th- I think he, I think he'd be fine if Brentford don't get a replacement keeper. I still think he'll, he'll perform admirably. But certainly for me, that that does seem a little bit of a a weak point. I think right back as well obviously makes sense with um, with Henrik Dalsgaard leaving. I'm probably another attacker. Um, Hopefully Ivan Tony stays. I think for to, as a neutral, I think it would be nice to see Ivan Tony stay and prove he can cut it. But um, whether Marcus Force can then provide uh, adequate backup at a Premier League level, um, I would still have question marks about. So I think those three, maybe a portion fifteen million to to each. I think with Brentford's knowledge of the market, they could find very good uh, acquisitions for fifteen million each uh, in those three positions. Yeah, that's quite. Um... Yeah, that's quite a spiny answer, isn't it? I think um, you're looking across and you're thinking you can always upgrade your spine and just improve. Um, £45 million to spend on a newly promoted team. Um, I think the instinct is look at your forward line, isn't it? And just think, can we get an even better striker? But um, the more and more we're learning about the game, I think it's the process behind that. You need to make sure you're better defensively. You need to make sure your midfield is still creative. Um and then your wide forwards are they are they good enough to actually compete at that level? So I'd I'd be giving more rain. I'd let Tony run free, and um, 
<laughs> let him still be the striker. And I think I'd look at some of those creative positions, the the ones out wide, and look at some real elite wide play talent. Where if you look at someone you've mentioned him earlier, someone like Harvey Barnes, that just that power and then that finishing ability as well. Um, yeah, he's he'd be quite a dangerous player. Um, but yeah, there's another question coming up where we're looking at which player we might sign. So we'll save it for them. But yeah, I'd be looking at offensive wide forwards of an elite level that really really top top tier and um trusting the others to to see you through okay um a bit more technical now on this one so so how much would you expect a team like brentford to moderate their style in the premier league opening up and playing a high scoring game tends to benefit the better team but we've also heard that brentford try not to defend the lead as attacking works better than letting teams come on to you. So what is the optimal strategy where a draw is a good result rather than the huge disappointment? <laughs> okay, so I think... There's a lot yeah, in that the, one. The boring answer is it depends. Um, you know, Premier League games increasingly are becoming opposition, more and more opposition-specific and managers are having to tailor pretty much game to game unless you are Bielsa, Klopp or, or Pep Guardiola, I think, are the three that that don't apart from that pretty much everyone is tinkering and changing things on a a game-by-game basis and I think seeing the flexibility that that Brentford had towards the end of the season where they could switch between sort of the four three three and then the three at the back system I think stands um, them in good stead in terms of how much would they have to kind of moderate or compromise their style um, again it goes back to kind of what we were saying earlier about you're probably going to see less of the ball so what can you do to be more efficient with that maybe 5% less possession that you're going to have. But I don't think you should have to compromise. I think with a club like Brentford that believes so much in this long-term vision, they've been planning for this for probably close to five seasons now. I don't think you should have to compromise. And I think sometimes compromise can then lead to worse results because you're not sticking to the plan that you've put out in place to get promoted. I think if you try and compromise um, in kind of fear of the teams that you're going to be playing against there's arguably a potential that you're going to have muddled instructions to the players and it's going to result in almost a less cohesive plan. So I think if Brentford were to stick to what they do, I think on the day they can be a better side than five or six of the teams that they're going to be scrapping with in the Premier League. Um, I'm thinking of you know Burnley, Crystal Palace, um, the, even the two sides that they've come up with. I know that they went up in third, but they can, they can compete with their sides on their day. So I think... They shouldn't compromise that much, and I think they should back the belief in that sort of long-term vision. Yes, the higher-scoring games do tend to favour the um, the better teams with the amount of uh, variance, but I think Brentford have got enough quality in those um, midfield areas. You know, that's probably the deepest area they've got, and then someone like Ivan Tony, who I believe would be more of an Ollie Watkins than a, a Neil Mopai in terms of how he steps up to the Premier League. I think if they they play how they've played the last three seasons and keep on trusting that process that they'll find they actually do okay yeah brilliant answer i I, yeah i think i um, tend to agree um so moderating style is probably quite a loaded question because it assumes that the the current style isn't um isn't ready just to pick up and move on so over the last few years all we've seen is Brentford get better defensively and concentrate more on being good off the ball so that the attacking side of the game can flourish and not um 
not be prohibited, but just make sure that the players are better off the ball and that, that that's, a, that's a real concern and actually making sure that, um, that all the good attacking work isn't undone by one or two errors, basically. Just reducing errors and making us more solid. And I, I think they've been building a team that's just ready to pick up and go and a style that's ready to pick up and go as well. It's not... <clears throat> It's not as frantic or electric or as um, wild as previous incarnations of Brentford. It's a bit more conserved and reserved and picking their moments. And um, I think I don't really see too much being adapted or moderated. Um, uh, I think Brentford have been a much more conservative team than people probably think, even though they have been some of the highest scorers. It seems weird to, (coughs) to describe them as that, but... I think there has been a much more of an acceptance of being solid at the back and um, having midfielders that are good and disciplined in their structure and then allowing the forward play to flourish. So um, talking about optimal strategies, I, I don't think anyone knows. That the, the optimal strategy is just to have a better player, have better players and be a better team than three other teams. And that's it. There's no other. Real, that's the optimal strategy, isn't it? How you go about that is um, is dependent on your riches or, or recruitment or, or a little bit of luck along the way so yeah I, I don't expect too much change and um, I'm, I'm quite happy about that um, next one from Simon is another awesome question uh, we know statistically that team cohesion matters and that familiarity can lead to a rise in performance we also know that being a Premier League team opens up um, opportunities to upgrade our squad <clears throat> What is the optimal number of new players for a newly promoted side to upgrade quality without totally destroying playing style cohesion? Um, without doing the the research on this and just looking at changes, um, how are you? How would you answer yeah, this? Yeah, no, I think it's a really good question. This is actually something that I'm actually you know trying to look into um, myself in terms of looking at how change can affect results. Um, but just kind of anecdotally, I suppose I think having a core of maybe seven to eight players who've played maybe 2,000 minutes from the season before uh, is a really good base to work from. Um, And then having three or four spots that are open for rotation uh, where players are playing maybe 1,000, 1,500 minutes each um, is a good baseline to work from. So if you then go from that, you're probably saying maybe three new signings. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Obviously... Again, it's squad dependent as to where on the pitch those three signs are going to be. But f- for me, I think three to four brings enough stability that you've still got seven or eight guys that are going to be starting from the season prior. But it's enough that there's going to be a, a heightened level of competition. It adds a lot of depth. You know, Your bench strength is massively, massively important in the Premier League. Having subs that you can bring on after an hour, 70 minutes that can keep you going through a game and potentially exploit tired opponents is massive um so yeah i think three to four um would be around where i would be uh looking to go with that yeah that sounds it feels about right doesn't it um yeah and if i think i hate to harp on about fulham as an example but um a few seasons ago we saw wholesale changes and they <clears throat> they were probably more out of necessity and maybe some not but you lose that cohesion i think no one really brings in new players and they settle straight away it takes the time for them to bed in it takes the time to get used to their new partners um, new location the players they're operating with on the pitch as well so it is really difficult I think if you can reduce that as much as possible you're obviously going down a better route mm-hmm. I think Leeds are a perfect example of this haven't they? they 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 went up the core minutes stayed pretty similar really if you're thinking about the goalkeeper yeah. Liam Cooper um, Stuart Dallas Click Phillips Bamford Harrison um, Alioski played a lot as well Um, where they upgraded was they brought in elite offensive talent in um, Rafinha Mm -hmm. and he just gave them that that explosiveness in the final third and just just um, just that real top quality finishing which added to the rest of them yep. that were really good and then the ones that they were sure were ready to step up well how sure were they they thought they were good they they dominated the championship but you can just never know but maybe that cohesion and that um uh maybe that that knowing each other that um counted for much more than we'd yeah. um we'd really know so yeah do you think Leeds are a good example just a couple of additions here and there yeah probably again i think it depends on that sort of squad profile you've got if you've got quite a tightly bunch squad in terms of ability just adding one player can make a massive difference because you're not you're not going to have a weak link so adding a kind of a a massive strength on top of that can really help whereas if you're kind of a more mixed squad again that kind of two to three um signings probably makes sense you mentioned fulham and immediately i kind of thought the other extreme of norwich who basically didn't sign anyone when they came up last time they kind of held up their hands and said we're probably not going to stay up let's 
keep it as it is, see how well we do. And then when we go back down to the championship, we can plan for next time we get promoted. We know where we need to upgrade. Um, so, yeah, again, I hate saying it depends. But overall, if I had to put a number on it, I'd say three, maybe one real standout, one to add kind of rotation competition and one just to add depth to the bench is probably a good yardstick uh, to start off with. <coughs> well, yeah, this is a bit more opinion based. Um uh, which one player would you uh, would we realistically buy if you were a direct sorry if you were our director of football um, and then if you had to bet on which one player we will buy who would you guess so two oh. fa- two sort of facets to this um, <clears throat> I think would will buy I think we can just tick that off with Frank on Yeka let's just say that because yeah. he's definitely going to be coming in but which one player would you realistically buy if you were the director of football like <clears throat> thinking about all those positions that you need yeah. to upgrade and just one it's hard isn't it yeah so i i would probably if i i'm thinking about right backs um so you know just trying to think of premier league right backs who aren't necessarily getting the minutes i think someone like brandon williams has just sprung to mind um manchester united has got decent minutes um in the two seasons prior to the last and then got a little bit forced out uh, with Wan-Bissaka basically not missing a game and then you've got Shaw and Tellers on the other side. But I think he's someone who, when he has played, um, has proven he he's not massively levels below that Manchester United team. He's got good experience at um, England youth level. And I think a move to somewhere like Brentford where they can say, hey, you can play 34, 35 games, go out and prove. You know, I think, um, Brentford have done well with kind of not not so much cast-offs but um, you know like you had Jake Bidwell and, and Josh De Silva another one who's come in and done well Josh McEachran so I think it it proves that they're a club that are willing to give minutes to players who haven't quite made it at the um, the elite clubs so I think someone like him coming in can play on both sides as well is quite versatile and that experience just from being in Champions League and Europa League squads and getting a few minutes here and there that that could be quite an interesting signing as well. Keeps the um, the age profile um, low as well. You know, he's only I think he's twenty two, twenty three this season. Um, so that that would be quite an interesting one, I think. Yeah, that's not one I'd have come up with. Um, I think at this point it's good to point people towards the Defenders Summer Recruitment Podcast, where we look at lots and lots of right backs for Brentford because that's a weak area. Um, Brandon Williams didn't come up, but a couple of other items, uh, right-sided defenders, did kind of come up on on loan on loan acquisitions. Um, but yeah, that, that's interesting. I think you're yeah you're thinking about plugging the gap, aren't you, of, of an area that <clears throat> that needs upgrading. Um, I think that's a that's a serious practical answer. I think for me, um, <laughs> realistically signing, uh, it's it's really difficult to be realistic about stuff. I, I think. Knowing Brentford's a realistic net for them is is difficult. Um, I think not being realistic a little bit. Someone I've watched in the, in the Euros, I think I've got <clears throat> recency bias here, but a versatile player that if he wants to come to the Premier League, I don't know if he's going to go to a top six club or that tier in behind. But the Dane uh, Merler, the left back from Atalanta. I mean that there is a player there that can pretty much do anything. Like sort of play on the wrong side. Um, 
yeah, he's a goal threat, strong defensively, can get up and down, hell of an engine. He's almost, I, I kind of look at him and think he's Norgard 2.0. He looks very much like Christopher Norgard, but just this sort of... <laughs> Um, all-round elite bigger stronger faster version and yeah I, I think having a player like that that kind of Swiss army nice tool in your squad is the kind of thing that screams out pushing you up into the mid-tier sort of those European spots in the in the Premier League as long as you can keep him fit um, so yeah I, I think that kind of player just another booster to the squad and the first team um, yeah that's that's where I'm going I, I yeah I don't know if that's realistic, and probably not. <laughs> well, I mean, A- Atalanta are a club that are, you know quite willing to sell. I mean, he's only been there half a season and is really impressed. They, they brought him in from uh, Copenhagen, I think, in January, and yeah, he's had a tremendous year. As the Danish connection as well would probably um, play a part if he was to move to England. Would suit that three at the back that Brentford have switched between as well. You know, I know. Yeah, I think. Maybe not realistic, but it's not beyond the realms of um, possibility. I don't think if you if you think about everything that will go into the mix, then uh, that would be a very exciting signing. I think. Yes, yeah, one probably a bit more for the the fantasy realm, but <laughs> for now. But um, when I'm thinking tactically, I think he'd be amazing. Um, okay, let's move on to the next now. Jake messaged in and said, uh, this is directed to you, Felix, actually. When um, researching Matthew Benham, did you see any weaknesses in his overall methodology? Ooh, right. <laughs> a long time since I did all that research. I think uh, probably not massively weaknesses, more just kind of um, personality traits. I think the coldness, you know, he is a, a lifelong fan, but the kind of the coldness with sometimes he uh, approached managers and um players as as merely just assets struck me as a a little bit hard-nosed um you know I I understand his background and everything and trying to be completely objective especially you know when he's a fan of the club but I mean there was the whole kind of fallout with um Warburton and uh, Frank McPartland I think uh even though Brentford had, had got into the playoffs in that first championship season um and I think yeah that willingness the one thing that I kind of found that I almost put down as a factor as to why Brentford were such slow starters and why they they were struggling despite that process to get over that hurdle and into the playoffs was just the churn and the fact that he was so willing to sell players no matter what and I don't think he was ever ready to say no to a, a transfer and I think that sometimes harmed the um the squad stability and there was there was always this kind of famous line that kept getting trotted out that oh, Brentford are such slow starters and if they start the season like they ended they'd be going up automatically in the last four seasons or whatever so I think yeah I think that just sometimes being a little bit too dispassionate um, with the with the players and the managers potentially might have slowed the uh, the ascent by a year or two but overall given the resources that the clubs had to work with and the rise and how it's happened and the belief in the process it, it is quite hard to to be critical so i'm probably nitpicking a little bit there but um, i wanted to get i didn't want to just say no he's brilliant he's fantastic and he should be for what he's done. well yeah he should be but <laughs> it can't all be perfect um uh, and I think just to round things up, and um, this is a question for myself: um, Where do you think Brentford are going to finish next year? Well, I've been uh, I've been having a little <laughs> bit of a discussion about this on Twitter, and I've angered a few Leeds fans, I think. So apologies to them. But um, so my my logic is that, you know, that we've had a promoted side in the top ten for the last five seasons. 
the four seasons. We had Newcastle, Wolves, Sheffield United, and Leeds. And I think off the three promoted sides, who am I most confident to be able to replicate that? It is probably Brentford. But I, I think there are still possibly 10 teams better than Brentford. So I'm, I would say they could finish anywhere for me between 9th and 14th. But to pin it down to one position, I would go 11th. And I, I, I'd hope most Brentford fans would bite my hand off if I said you could finish 11th now. <clears throat> yeah, I think they absolutely would. 11th would be... Um, I think it would be 11th heaven if that was the case. Uh, yeah, that, that would... I mean, it's the difference between finishing um, 17th and, and and above is minimal, really. I mean, it's financially obviously good, but a second season in the Premier League with Brentford's sort of track record of recruitment and how they can convince players to come to the club and talking about the dream and uh, the stepping stone um, yeah who knows what would happen we who knows the type of caliber of player we could have in uh, two years time so yeah absolutely brilliant if that was the case um, I'm going to go a little bit more pessimistic than that I'm going to say 15th but both coming to the same conclusion I think we're both edging towards staying up which I absolutely hope we're we're writing um <laughs> in writing our assessments um yeah anything else you've got interesting that you'd like to point out or posit on bees um yeah i just think echoing your your point there that safety first is i think in my mind that i wouldn't maybe they'll they'll scrap a little bit towards the start but ultimately i think brentford will quite comfortably uh, above relegation I think there are at least three if not four or five teams that on paper look far worse than them and there are clubs in kind of rebuilding states that are on more of a downward curve whereas Brentford are very much on a on an upward one uh, and I, I just I just hope they make a good account of themselves and they've been built up and, and a little bit bashed by the media as being this spreadsheet team which when you dig into it they're not they just want to use as much information as possible so i i really want to I'll, they'll definitely be my my second team in the league this season and it'll be just nice to see them come up hopefully you know make a really good account of themselves it's been so long since um you've been in the top flight hopefully nick some points off some of the uh the bigger teams and then you know with this long-term vision that the uh the club have got in place Hopefully, you know, do a Bournemouth, do a Stoke, do a Swansea, become one of these teams that can stay in the Premier League for a decade or so and build them into a, an established top flight side. That'd be really nice to see, I think. Oh, wonderful um, way to end this. Um, yeah, Felix, it's been awesome. From uh, Felix from Looks Good on Paper. Yeah, it's been wonderful having you on. Um, let's hope Brentford can translate some of that good uh, paper evidence onto the pitch and, um, <clears throat> yeah, just make ourselves proud and... Um, yeah cement um cement a position in the premier league um yeah thanks so much for joining us uh this has been brilliant have you enjoyed yeah, it yeah it's been uh, it's been great there's some really thought-provoking questions in there probably led me to think about stuff i uh might not have necessarily thought about before so yeah it's been very interesting yeah bees tactical the place of knowledgeable fans very much um, so. <laughs> but yeah great stuff uh again remember the watch what is bees tactical um Follow us on the Substack, uh, the Patreon, Twitter, Beast Tactical wherever you get your podcasts as well. Um, review, like, and share, and support. And um, again, that leads me to say thank you very much for Felix. It's been amazing having him around and chatting through. Um, and yeah, we'll catch you next time.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.